Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you. Lord, we worship you. We thank you, God, for your whole, your, your sovereignty, God, over our lives. We thank you for protecting us, for watching over us, for being with us. We thank you, Lord, just for doing all that you can, Lord, all in your power, Lord, to love us, all in your power, God, to place us in the right places, to close doors, to open doors, Lord, that we may show ourselves faithful to you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this place, Lord. Use me as a vessel. I am but a vessel, nothing more, God. You get all the glory for what is going to happen in this place. Your words, not mine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Rocky. You guys, uh, please be seated. Uh, before we go any, any further, uh, I want to honor our pastors. That I mean, that, that word really shook up in my heart, and I prayed for our pastors. Thank you guys for your service uh, to a people for so long. Compound consistency, right, Pastor Isaac? Compound consistency. We love it. I want to honor my wife. My wife is at home with sick kids. Uh, they got a little stomach bug. Uh, they got the stomach flu, uh, so they are peeing out of their butt right now. That's diarrhea for some of you guys that don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I've never done it, but I want to uh, honor my connect group. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a true joy to lead you guys uh, right now in this season. I got, man, I got brothers and sisters in the group. I got uh, sons and daughters. I used to be afraid to say that. I used to be afraid to say I have disciples and I have sons and daughters, but uh, now I, I'm your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I just want to go over just just briefly. We're gonna we're gonna look at the book of uh, we're gonna look at the book of Habakkuk, and uh, Habakkuk's a very short book. What I love about Habakkuk was that Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was a contemporary to Zephaniah to Jeremiah. He lived at this time of this people. His ministry was at the same time as their ministry, and maybe that he was alive at the same time as uh, Ezekiel. And I don't I don't know if you guys are familiar. I don't want uh, is with a apocryphal books is these books have historical context they are proven to be accurate they're just not a part of the word of God the Holy Spirit did not breathe on those books the way that he has the books that we read and so these apocryphal books said that Habakkuk actually was there for Daniel that fed him and gave him water when he was in the lion's den the time uh, during Habakkuk's ministry was during the Babylon invasion around the end of Josiah's reign between maybe 640 to 609 BC and what I find interesting about this book is that Habakkuk never personally addresses uh, Judah. What, it, what, what this book is, 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 it's just a dialogue between him and God. And so I want to read in Habakkuk chapter 1, starting verse 2 and 3, it says this. It says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, my goodness, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do, you, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Habakkuk can't believe that God appears to be tolerating sin instead of punishing it. And in, in, in the next verse, in, in verse 4, it says, Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteousness so that justice is perverted. He goes on to say, Habakkuk is saying that justice never prevails as if somehow God's inactivity has caused injustice to become worse. 
Now Habakkuk is in a bind. He believes that the righteous are struggling because they fell prey to the wicked and they refused to break God's law to get ahead. You know what that's called? That's called character and integrity. And God responds to Habakkuk. He responds to him immediately after Habakkuk is saying, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're nowhere to be found. The world in front of me is broken. It's sick. It's gross. It's disgusting. And you're nowhere to be found. Almost like you're letting it happen. This is what Habakkuk says. This is what God responds. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylons. Keep in mind the Babylons are an evil pe- Babylonians are an evil people that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Habakkuk pleads with God, asking him to save Judah from her own wickedness. So therefore, he complained even more after he gets this response to God. He's asking God questions. God responds, but he doesn't understand like myself. So therefore, he goes on to complain a little more. He says, if God doesn't step in, who will? Where is God? How can you tolerate this, God? I, I love the innocence of a new believer is, is, and people naturally. Is, is How can a loving God allow wickedness in this world? And this is kind of gauging the conversation for me of what Habakkuk is saying to God. And this is in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. The enemy is proud. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The righteous live by faith. I love God's response, and you read the rest of chapter 2, and then we get to chapter 3, and despite the condition of the world, despite of Habakkuk's insecurities, despite him wondering what God is doing, wonder where God is, God, are you even, are you doing anything to help us? Why are you allowing these bad things to happen to even the righteous? And God responds, and this is Habakkuk's response. Um, to it all. He says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Though the world does not look like it's supposed to, Though there is the no olive, although the olive crops fails, though the fig does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Lord, I'm sitting in some days and I'm just like, Lord, where is the fruit in some of these believers? God, where's the fruit in some of these ministries? God, where's the fruit in my life? All the times that all the things that I've been doing just to put you first, God, where is the fruit? God, what is happening to, to America? God, what is happening to California? God, is why, why is L.A. one of the most evil, nasty, perverted cities in our country? Why did you place me here? Nothing looks good. It doesn't look like, the, it doesn't look like we're, we're going to get any favor from this evil, wicked administration. It doesn't look like anything good is going to happen. But, but I'm going to trust the Lord is that the sovereign Lord is my strength. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will, find jo- I will be joyful in God, my Savior. 
You know how we can do that? Is that we hold on to his promises. We hold on to the truth of what the word of God says. That you know what? You know what's going to last out of everything? Is the church of Jesus Christ. That this life is temporary. These things are temporary. Even though I pray to God and he answers and it may not look like what I want, I'm going to trust him. So no matter what Habakkuk chooses, no matter what Habakkuk chooses to trust in God, he questions, God responded, Habakkuk trust. How can we trust God in these times? How can we trust God when I made one tortilla on the stove and now my gas bill is $200 right now? Like, yeah, I know you feel that. I know you feel that. Like, I, I, I get you. I feel, I feel you. I go to work too, and I have a life too. Like, the, I, I, I get all of these things. How can we trust in the Lord in our finances? How can we trust the Lord in our marriages? What is it that God is asking you to give up so you can trust him some more? I feel like Habakkuk in this prayer, and it's more than just about my utility bill and, and all of these things. I'm a, I'm a man that's, a, that's deeply afflicted by the condition of our world. Did you know that God gave dominion to the devil over this world for now? Did you know that? John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus referred to the devil as ruler of this world. A couple chapters later, he goes on to say, I will no longer talk with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I'm sure that some of you guys that have social media, you guys probably seen the Grammys, if not on TV, but it flooded your social, social media. You see all these Christian influencers have something to talk about for weeks now, and you see Sam Smith and his performance mocking God. You see him in the devil's outfit and just being, it's just disgusting, it's gross. You see, you see Jay-Z, he's, he's mocking the, the Last Supper. I don't know if you guys knew this, but he calls himself Hove like he's God. Like, it's intentional. He says he's God. I don't know if you guys knew that. But we, we see these things. Like, that, that stuff used to bother me to, like, I would literally just get angry. Like, I, I, I would get mad. And as the Lord just kind of helped me in maturity with those things, like, the world's going to do what the world wants to do. Like, I'm not surprised by that stuff anymore. But you want to know what bothered me a little more than that? And it wasn't even that big of a deal, but it bothered me a little more. Is there's a worship team. We sing their songs. You guys wear their merch, Maverick City Music, doing a collab with a rapper that worships drugs, that, wor that, that defames women. They do all of these things. And we're still going to sing their songs. We're still going to do all these things because, because we don't know how to hold these people accountable. We, you know what? It just, we're like, it's, just, it's just like water. It just falls right off of us. It's just not, it's just not it doesn't bother us. The world has been praising these things from the beginning. Slavery is still going on to this day. Prostitution has been going on from the beginning of times. All of these things that we're seeing, but you know what's bothering me? You know what's crazy? It's just happening in our backyard and they're not hiding anymore. That's, that's just the difference. When you look at the world through an American lens, we think everything's just cupcakes and rainbows, and it's just like, oh yeah, it's, it's just getting bad now. But when you look at the world through a world lens, you'll see, man, this world's been jacked up from the beginning. And, and so, I, I, just in regards to, to what I, the, the mention of, of, of just the compromise in the American church, the compromise in holiness and righteousness, I've seen this post. Her name was Catherine Mullins, and she says this, holiness and purity and life of a believer is not optional. Go out and be the light in a dark world, but don't act like the world and say you're doing it to reach the lost. Yeah. 
My goodness. Love people to life by living radically holy, radically pure, and radically set apart. I'm all for people reaching the lost. Unfortunately, what we've seen in Christian music, not all of it, are people using the be the light in the dark as an excuse to act like the world and live like the world. We will never save the lost by being like them. Jesus didn't change his stance on holiness to reach sinners, so why should we? John 15, 18. In 19, it says this, if the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Listen, when I start to feel my heart justify, the heart is desperately sick. It is, it is wicked. It is evil. Who could understand it but the Lord? Like, when I start to feel myself starting to justify how I can be loved by the world and do what God has called me to do at the same time, I start just to think about his death. I start to think about his crucifixion. I start to think about his word. Galatians 1.10, Paul is telling the church, he says, I am, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What am I saying? Like, what is at stake here for you and I? What is at stake here for the believer of Jesus Christ, for the church of Jesus Christ, for us in this time? What is at stake here? I believe what's at stake is the veneration of God. Is there are people that mock your God who you love and you live for, and we don't say a word. I believe that God's name is, is, is worthy to be venerated, is worthy to be stood up for, to, to share the truth with, in love, with grace and truth. I believe what, what else is at stake is your salvation, your children's salvation, your family's salvation, that anyone can believe anything they want as long as it fits my narrative. That as long as I believe in God, I'm good. No fruit. Don't need to keep his commandments. Just the belief in him and I'm solid. And people believe that. That is, that is a doctrine of, of demons. That is, the, the devil wants you to believe that all you want. And just stay stuck there. You know what else is at stake? Is there was a cost to following Jesus Christ. There was an actual sacrifice with your life that must be paid in order to follow Jesus Christ. And now there is a responsibility of following Christ. Jesus said, whoever wants to lose, whoever wants to save their life has to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. The modern message of Christianity today, the modern message of Christianity today is come and believe. It sounds right, right? It sounds good. Come and believe. Is, come who? Come all who are we relating and he's going to give you rest. Come all those that are broken, that are hurting, that, that need help, that, that need a uh, fixture in their circumstances. No. Acts chapter 17 verse 30 says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. We don't need a savior of our circumstances. We need a savior of our souls. Like, I, I will go, man, if, if I go to heaven just broke, beaten down, struggling, and dragging my feet with my head down, but I made it to heaven, good. I have a savior that saved my soul. But what good is it a man has everything, but yet loses his soul? 
We need a savior from, from, from ourselves, a savior of our souls, not just of circumstances. What do we hear? Believe, right? Come and believe. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it, just believe. People believe that. I seen an Instagram clip the other day, and all the comments were saying, that's right. Anyone else that says anything other than we just need to believe is wrong. And just so many people deceiving themselves, but I believe the correct message for Christianity today is come, believe, and follow this is the truest message of Christianity. Come, believe, follow, because Jesus said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If we had a conversation with Jesus today, some of you, Jesus would look at you dead in the eye with all the love in his heart as you can't follow me because you are not willing to sacrifice the things that is contrary to my word. How do we follow Christ in this sin-sick world? How do we not contribute? How do we live righteous, holy lives that is pleasing to the Lord? How can we be set apart? Lately, I've been so burdened. I mean, like absolutely burdened um, with the weight of my sin. Now, not condemned because I know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, burdened. I've been burdened with the weight of the church's sin, the tolerances, our enablement, our power as the bride of Christ that is being choked out, not by the world, but by ourselves. The low standard of American Christianity. That, like, and, and like, I'm burdened by these things, by my own sin. Did, and you know, you know, I started to think about this after I've been burdened by this. Did you know that your sin affects your prayers? Like, this is heavy. I'm not just going to go sweep by it. I'm going to give you some word for it because I'm not just going to say whatever and leave you squandering. Your sin affects your prayers. Can you imagine praying to God and he just ignores you? Can you imagine worshiping God and he has like just earplugs in that can ignore you but hear the person right next to you during worship? Proverbs chapter 28 verse 9. Write this down if you're taking notes. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Living in sin, you ignore the word of God. Your prayer is detestable to God. The word of God, not mine. If someone, even a professed believer, refuses to hear or heed God's discipline and guidance, their prayers are detestable to the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James makes two points here. The first one is, the, is, is that we don't ask God for his help. And I've fallen this into to, to like many times. Either when we think our prayers are insignificant or selfish or when we try to do things on our own power. We simply don't have it because we don't ask. The second point is this. It speaks to our motivations. He writes this after saying that we are too often ruled by our own desires. And just as our own unchecked passions may lead to quarreling and sin, they can inhibit our relationship with God, including his response to our prayers. Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Our prayers won't be heard if we cherish iniquity. Holding unrepentedly to some sin. This does not include a believer that is struggling with a recurring sin who regularly and humbly repents. 
but this is anyone who willfully harbors sin and refuses to repent. Your sin affects your prayers. Listen, I understand that this is hard to hear. Like, we deal with enough as believers, as human beings, and to come to church and hear this. I get it. But from the bottom of my heart, like, who I am inside, the way the Lord wired me, my natural affection for the church, not in my title as an evangelist just to, to win souls. The natural desire in my heart is just to call people back to the Lord. Call them back to, to holiness and righteousness. I mean, the person that is the, the backslider, just come home. The righteous out of their religion, hey, come, come, come home. The person that, that comes to church that feels no urgency, that feels no obligation to the Lord, and I'm saying, come home. That is my heart's desire. So when I preach this truth, no matter how hard it is, friend, this word is sharper than any two-edged sword, but it isn't here sometimes just to divide. Yes, it does bring healing. I've seen one of the coldest things I've ever seen in my life in Rambo 3. Like, it was, I'm dead serious. Out of all the movies I watched, I was younger. Uh, I was, it was probably summer, and I binge-watched all the Rambos. Never seen one before. I was probably like 15, 16. The coldest thing I've seen was Rambo got shot right here, right? And so the bullet was stuck, and he pushed it out on his own will. Just pushed it out, and he got it out. What he did was he took a knife, he got the gunpowder, and he stuck it in his wound. Then he grabbed uh, wood from the fire, and he burned the gunpowder if he didn't know it was flammable. And what it did was it, was it just bursted inside of his stomach. The reason why he did that was to prevent infection. So the bleeding would stop and to prevent infection so he could move forward. This, this is on my own, like... My own will, this is what I'm trying to do, is like there are some things that hurt. The word of God hurts, but there are some things that we got to go through, some things that we got to put ourselves through and hear from the word to bring healing and to stop the infection. Now, that is my own human desire, my own human will, but I know what the word of God, what the word of God does is a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. When there's understanding and there's revelation, this word brings real, true healing from past traumatic experiences, from things that we don't have closure on, from things that maybe we don't even understand that the word of God heals and it brings us closer to the Lord in righteousness and purity and in truth. I believe what a lot, of, a lot of believers struggle with is this. There are a lot of people here that are sitting down today that you struggle with the, assur the thought of assurance of salvation. Am I saved? And Paul teaches about the assurance of salvation. Paul teaches that, that we can have the, the confidence knowing that we belong to Christ, that if I was to walk out of here and die, that I'm saved, I will be with my Father in heaven. And there are a lot of people that sit here and you struggle with that thought. You struggle with, and you're kind of like, man, am I saved? Am I not? Does the Lord love me? Does he not? And, and, and I just want to say to that is maybe our walks with God isn't what we thought it would be. Some of you, you, like, you, thought, you think about quitting too early. You sell yourself short. You give up way too easily. And, and, and there's this constant reoccurrence of like, maybe, maybe I just, I can't do it. Maybe just life on this earth is too hard and I don't know if I can serve the Lord. I don't know if I can continue in this fight. Maybe our walks with God isn't what we thought it would be because we're not acting like who God called us to be. 
You have the perfect life-giving instructions that are not optional for a believer, but that it is expected that we live out his word. Like if we would hold that and write it on the tablets of our heart, the righteous live by faith and we just pursue the Lord in all that we do. And in that, knowing, God, I love you. Lord, I will sacrifice every single day and all that I have to do and all that I am, knowing that, that I'm saved. I, man, there's, I don't know how many times I've walked in this building and it's just like, you know, you hear your friends say like, oh, I'm afraid to go to your church because I'm going to burn when I walk in, right? Like, it, in reality, a lot of you guys feel that way mentally and emotionally, is I'm not worthy to walk through those doors. I'm not worthy to stand at the altar and to worship. We're like, we, we feel those ways. And, and, and I know what it's like to feel that way. I know what it's like to feel in here and just feel so free. Just the Lord, man, thank you, God. Like, I've been in both places. How can we be children of God when we are slaves to sin? Biblically, it is impossible and I know what it's like walking through those doors as a slave to sin. I know what it's like coming to this altar on my knees. I'm crying. I mean it in my heart. I'm just so thankful that the Lord loves me, but I'm a slave to sin. Like, there, there are people all across this place. You are a slave to sin. Your sin tells you what to do. It moves you wherever it wants. The family's gone. I got the house to myself. You know exactly what your sin is going to tell you what to do. Nobody's watching. I know exactly. The, the, the devil knows exactly what to do. Your sin drives you. It, it, it tells you what to do. And, and what's scary. What's scary is that we just think that the love of God just somehow overcomes all those things. Like I'm just safe. And listen, in God's sovereignty and his love because he's, because he's just slow to his anger. Yes, he's calling you. And man, if you got that conviction in your heart, man, you better hold on to it. But I'm telling you, one day, if you continue just to live an unrepented life, you won't even know it's gone. And I pray to God that there's nobody here that it's just too late. But we have to have reverence to the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, especially when we are not living right and we are slaves to sin. I want to read uh, Romans. I think I gave this one to you. Uh, it's, I think it's Romans chapter 6. It says, For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You either serve God or you serve sin. There is no in between. And we continue. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your moral body so that you will obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are under the law. You are not under the law, but under grace. Despite the wickedness in this world, despite what I see in my time, despite what Habakkuk seen in his time and Isaiah and Jeremiah, they all seen in their time. Despite all of that and all that surrounds, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. This is the greatest thing that can come from your lips. This is the greatest thing that you can proclaim about your life. Is that no matter where the world stands, Christ lives in me. The righteous live by faith. Did you know that Paul the Apostle, he quoted Habakkuk three times. He said that the righteous live by faith. He wrote it to the church in Romans who he longed and expressed that he one day, I want to go and preach the gospel to you guys. He told them, he said that the righteous live by faith. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Paul wrote the letter to to the... The letter to the Galatians to counter the message of missionaries who visited Galatia after him. Paul left, missionaries came, and these missionaries taught that the Gentiles must follow uh, parts of the Jewish law in order to be saved. And Paul's telling them, like, that's not true. Don't listen to all that. The righteous live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. We don't necessarily know the author, but, but it could be Paul. And he's encouraging the Jewish members of the church to maintain their faith in Jesus Christ and not to return to their former ways by telling them that the righteous live by faith. You compare and contrast what is happening in this world to previous times. Compare and contrast what, what you believe Habakkuk is speaking to, 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 the, to, the, to, to Judah, to the Israelites, who were wicked, who were disobedient, that were conquered by even more wicked and disobedient people. Do you see what we're up against? Do you see what is happening, the moral decline in our nation, the wicked administration that sits in office? Do you see what they're trying to push on your children? Like, I just want my kids to watch um, Mickey Mouse on YouTube. And now little Johnny has two dads, Adam and Steve. And I just want them to see something innocent and little Sally has two moms and one of them looks like a dad. Like, I want, this is the world that we live in. And don't think it's by accident. Don't think that the enemy isn't looking to, to, to somehow indoctrinate your kids or try to catch them early so now you have to struggle with them. It, it, this stuff isn't happening by accident, but the righteous live by faith. I live by the faith in the Son of God. That is my right. That is given to me. No one can take that away. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what is said about me. I don't care what is done to me. That this is my God-given right to live as a son of his. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, it says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I want to explain this. We're going to camp here on this verse real fast. When you hung on a cross, when somebody was hung on the cross... The civilians are allowed to do whatever they wanted to you. You had absolutely no right as a human being anymore. That was your sentence waiting to die. 
But can you imagine that, that Jesus was never taken place of Barabbas? Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a rapist. When Barabbas would have been crucified, like all the other criminals that were crucified, there were people that will throw rocks at them. There were people that will just chop off their feet. They would stab them, poke at them for fun. The children had target practice on these people. You had no right. They did whatever they wanted to do. And Paul says this. He says, the world has been crucified to me. The world is a filthy thing to me. It is crucified to me. It has no right for me. It has no right to me. I don't care about the world. It is filthy. When I said goodbye to the world, I said goodbye to a wicked, filthy thing that deserves to be crucified. But he also said, I'm crucified to the world. But he didn't mean it like I'm filthy to the world. He's saying, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I have no will of my own. I have no rights of my own. I am now branded a slave to Jesus Christ to live out his commandments and his love. You look at every single disciple. The original 12, all 11 martyred except Judas who hung himself. You look at every single Christian that lived in persecution in the times of reading the word, whether it's 1 Peter or any of the, any of the other scriptures, all of them living in persecution. You look at, uh, you look at the, the Christians that profess Christianity in Africa, in the Middle East, where, where there is heavy um, Muslims and, and other type of terrorist groups, they, they, they're losing their lives over this. They were trying to kill the apostles. They were trying to scare the apostles. They're trying to threaten them. But understand this. They weren't trying to kill the apostles and the believers. They were trying to kill the gospel of Jesus Christ that was inside of them. That had the power to change the world as we know it. You want to stand for holiness and you want to stand for truth? Guess what? People aren't trying to kill you. They're just trying to kill the message inside of you. Let me kill my baby. Let me do what I want to do. Let me tell you what the Lord feels, how the Lord feels about that. And guess what? Now they attack you. But they're not attacking you. They're attacking the God inside of you. The world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. John 15, 8. The world hates you. Keep in mind that it hated me first. I'm free from any fear. No man can trouble me. I've been marked by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how I feel. I feel, like, I feel like Paul in Galatians chapter 6 verse 17. He says this. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Christ Jesus. Leonard Ravenhill, he says this. He says, there is no such thing as coming to, cro to the cross just to get your sins forgiven. There is no such thing as coming to the cross just to get your sins forgiven. The man who only wants his sins forgiven is trifling with Christianity. Anyone that believes that they can just come to the cross, just, just, just Lord, forgive me and I'm good. Anyone that believes in a religious system to where you sit in a box and you profess to a man about your sins that you're, and then you're forgiven, that is, that is demonic. That there is only one person there is only one way to the Father. 
There was only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he calls us to live a life of righteousness, of holiness, of purity. And we can do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. Though we fall seven times, we get up again. The righteous will live by faith. First John chapter 2, verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In him, truly, the love of God is, is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I've seen this disturbing quote by Taylor Swift. She makes good music. She's very talented. She said, I am a Christian. I am a real Christian. And any real Christian believes that abortion is okay. That is demonic. That is, that, that is what our kids are following. That is what these new age philosophy people are following. That is what weak Christians are following. That is what is infiltrating our hearts and our minds. That if we don't put on the full armor of God every day. That if we don't read his word. If we don't stay connected to the vine. We start to believe this garbage. Because the heart is deceitful. It's desperately sick. You look at so many people that I've looked up to for years as a kid, that I've looked up to for years in in, in growing up as a teenager. These popular people like like T.D. Jakes, man, they they sold out. They sold out. They're afraid to say what sin is because they're afraid of being canceled by a culture that means absolutely nothing. What are we afraid of? Like... I hope there's something burning inside of you that says, you know what? I need to start, I need to stop flirting with the world. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. What should I fear? Like the righteous live by faith. There are two people in this world. Those that are dead to sin and those that are dead in sin. How many times are we going to mean it? Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent of my sins. How many times are we gonna re- are we gonna mean it? But we just keep going back. God, I'm done. But you're still bound. You're screaming freedom, right? I'm free. I'm free. Well, you still have the shackles on your feet, and you're bound. How many times are we going to mean it from the very bottom? I'm the, F, the essence of our being. God, I'm done with my sin. God, I'm done being a part of the world. You know the truth. But you're bound by sin. You know that you have to repent. And that you're damned in your sin. You are dead in your sin. Because the wages of sin is death. You are paying your eternal punishment right now with your sin. How many times are we going to mean it? We have found all the wrong remedies and we are doing everything wrong other than just coming to the Father, reading His Word, staying connected, trusting in who He is, living by faith because we're just connected to everything else. All the noise, all the distractions. But the Lord is calling you home. Real freedom, real breakthrough bondage gone chains gone listen I believe that the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit it it, it can touch you and you're healed in a moment I believe that
I believe that some of you will have to struggle and fight your flesh your entire life until glory. That is biblical. But I want to live by faith. I want to please the Lord. This world has nothing for me. I don't care what validation looks like. I don't care what their praise says. Man, I'm even afraid to be liked by the world because the word of God says if they love you, then you're just a part of them. I want to love the world to Jesus Christ. I don't want the world to love me. I don't need that. Like if, if I get if I get some if I get some backlash because because of because you preach righteousness, because you preach holiness, because you preach the word of God, but it saves their soul, one soul, because you planted a seed and the Lord will water it. That man, that's what matters to me. We need to, as a church, we need to stop being offended by the word of God. I have conversations with people. They say, man, John, maybe, maybe you tone it down a little bit. I said, no, you turn it up a little bit. John, John maybe, maybe, do you think that you come across condescending? You don't know my heart. You don't know the preparation. You, you don't even know what I've been through. You don't know what the Lord is delivering me from right now. You, you think that I just put a copy and paste message together? Man, I'll go to war for this. I'm on my knees praying for this. I'm preparing myself as much as I prepare this message. You don't know, you don't know my heart. You don't know the person that, that, that is screaming from the rooftop saying, come home, a voice in the wilderness saying, we need to repent of our sins, that the righteous live by faith, that we are too easily uh, just moved by the world. While the Holy Spirit has been tugging us and trying to love us back to the Lord for years, and we barely budge. It's a sacrifice for you to come to church. This is a joy and a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Man, today, if, if you don't like your destination or you just want to switch it up, guess what? We can make a U-turn. We can just go back home. We can switch it up. You're going somewhere? I don't want to go there anymore. Turn around, turn, just turn around. There are no U-turns at the judgment seat. There is no weeping there is no crying. There is no begging when you're at the judgment seat. What is done is done. It's sealed. I don't care how clever you are, how much you cry, how much you get your way, how, much you, how entitled you are. What's done is done. No U-turns at the judgment seat of heaven. So I ask you today, if Jesus was all you had, would he be enough? I understand that much of what Jesus calls his people to do is difficult. It, it's, it's not easy. We hear and we read about God's amazing power to deliver, right? For every deliverance from the mouth of lions like Daniel, we see recorded in history hundreds and hundreds of Christians who died after being thrown to wild beasts. For each deliverance like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see hundreds more who were consumed by the flames. We read about Paul continuing on after being stoned and Stephen lying there, dead where he stood. Many people, many people are willing to follow Jesus if they get the call to be miraculously delivered. But what if Jesus calls you to something less glorious, something less glamorous? It is in response to hard teachings of Jesus that many followers begin to either squirm or stand strong. Because following Jesus, it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily growth. It's a daily process. 
The expectation of scripture is that we don't grow old together. It's that we grow up together. It's not that I don't read this word to, to preach the word. I read the word to become the word. If Jesus is not enough for Christians, how will he be enough for a world, for the world? If he's not enough for us, how will the world believe it's enough for them? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.